This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Thank you so much for the feedback on the last episode. That was the one where I spoke with Mark Griffiths about his company on the ball travel. A level of appreciation you guys have for anyone who runs a coach is really high. And I think now, thanks to what Mark explained, there is now that extra understanding to what is involved. Uh, If you've not heard it yet, as always, it is at your podcast provider of choice or threelionspodcast.com. So what's been going on since we last spoke? Well, Thursday the 2nd of February, the qualifying draw was made for the 2025 Under-21 European Championships. These are to be held in Slovakia in two years' time. Hopefully England will be there, and to do so, they'll have to get past Ukraine, Serbia, Northern Ireland, Azerbaijan and Luxembourg. All of these in Group F. And as of the time of recording, the specific fixture dates or venues, well, they haven't been set just yet but they're due to be played between March this year and November next. The nine group winners go through along with the three best runners up and then there is a playoff for the three remaining spots to fill those final 16 positions. Now the last time the under 21s played was actually in September last year when we beat Germany 3-1 at Sheffield United's Bramall Lane. And if you want to go and see them, they are playing next month, March, during the international window. This is when the senior men will be playing Italy away and Ukraine at home. Uh, The under-21s, they've got two friendlies. One against France on Saturday the 25th of March, that's at Leicester. And then against Croatia on Tuesday the 28th of March, that's at Fulham. It's an ideal opportunity to cheer on the lads whilst checking out a Premier League ground at the same time. Doesn't often happen. Uh, If that's your thing, it's a decent price. 15 quid for adults. Uh, These friendlies are, of course, preparation for this summer's European Championships. Now, unlike the senior European Championships for men and women, the under-21s take place every two years, as opposed to every four. So this year's, is taking place in Romania and Georgia starting 21st of June, where we are in Group C with the Czech Republic, Israel and current holders, Germany. It's okay, As I said, we've already beaten the Germans recently. Uh, And plus the top two go through in the finals groups. I hope that's come across all, all okay. Sounds a bit complicated having to qualify for 2025 before 2023 has even started.
I don't often go off-piste, as it were, but recently I was taken by an article I read on Twitter. It's about the Marshall Islands, and you may have heard about it too, but they are supposedly the only remaining country left on the planet without a national football team. So I delved a bit deeper, and I've ended up arranging a chat with technical director Lloyd Owers. And obviously the Marshall Islands, they're not English, but my, my tenuous link to England is Lloyd is English. So uh, Lloyd, welcome along. Thank you very much. Cheers <laughs> for the uh, yeah, chance to speak. No, you're welcome. How are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Where, whereabouts are you in, in the country? Uh, I'm just north of Oxford, so um, not quite in the Marshall Islands time zone. No, what what is the time? So are they they've got to be twelve backwards. hours ahead of us. Oh, they're ahead. Of course they are. Yeah, twelve hours ahead. So it's uh, yeah, it's different trying to connect, like, trying to contact people there at the same time. It's just that yeah, it's it's crazy at times. Definitely uh, opportunity to try to be creative anyway. Yeah, had you ever heard of the Marshall Islands before this? Um, briefly, and it was only really because when I was a kid, I was a massive like I don't know travel fan and random. I don't know, places, flags, all sorts. Yeah. And the only reason I heard of it was because I remember my cousin coming home from school talking about these Pacific um, islands he'd heard of. And uh, that was how it was. And then after that, there was probably no real thought about the Marshall Islands for about 20 odd years. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely a unique place as well. Yeah. Well, you're a, a, a licensed coach of, I'm not quite sure what standards. So God, just ex- explain to us, a bit about yourself and then sort of how this position came up. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No, cheers. So um, for myself, it's a random one. So my background is obviously predominantly football-based. I'm from Essex originally, so grew up playing, played at the semi-pro level till early 20s, but I'd coached from about 16. So I worked as a community coach working in yeah, schools, community centres, holiday clubs, started developing into like the development centres United and loved it, absolutely loved coaching. So I um, just kept pushing on with that. And then I had the opportunity to work for the FA um, as one of the skills coaches when I started rolling out the programme, which is work with five to 11 year olds, but also help to mentor coaches and teachers around the country. Um, mm. So I applied for a role and didn't get the one I applied for, but I was offered the role in Oxfordshire. So I thought, why not? So I jumped to the chance, moved to Oxfordshire. And, um, and then from that point, I just stopped playing because logistically it was difficult to do two places, two counties. I was working more in, in football anyway so I just started to focus on coaching and then it just took me into random little places which was quite nice so I had an opportunity to go to um, Canada delivering coach education workshops uh, through connections I've still got now yeah. um, USA excuse me USA doing the same thing um, and then also I had the opportunity to do similar work for in Sweden as well for a club in Sweden so I was combining like coach consultancy work, but with opposition and uh, analysis as well. And it was a good opportunity. So came back um, and then realised that I quite liked Oxfordshire in general. So I stayed. So I um, I worked for Oxford United and I'm, I've since been at Oxford City and and now, well, and, and Mansfield Town thrown in there as well. As All right. Um, and then now the Marshall Islands. But yeah, in terms of the role coming about, it's, yeah, I think, like I said, my, my background's coaching and, and teaching. So I worked as a university lecturer and college lecturer for a few years as well and coached on the side. And I realised that I quite liked like the, the whole academic side of everything as well. So I started studying more and I ended up doing a master's degree in coaching, which 
got me to the stage where I realized that I quite like writing and that whole okay. that whole process of the sport, but in, in just in general as well. Um, so it left a bit of a void. So I started realizing having to think, like, what do I do? Yeah. So it was either a PhD or write a blog for me or a book. And I thought, I'm not doing a PhD. <laughs> so um, I ended up writing a blog site and creating a blog site. So I had like weekly content. Okay. And from that point, that's where the Marshall Islands came about because one chance interview with a couple of guys from Samoa really spiraled my own network and put me in contact with people all over the world. And one of the guys was a, the Marshall Islands Soccer Federation president, Shemley Vai. Right. And um, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how recent was that? That was literally just before Christmas. So I, I connected with Shem in November. And then initially it was just because of the time difference, it was just a lot of WhatsApps, voice notes, emails, stuff mm. like this, really. And then it was a case of he asked me to combine my own style and philosophy to their long term aims. So it was a nice opportunity to put together what I thought they could do and how we could do it. And luckily him and the board approved. And yeah. uh, the next thing they offered me the role as a technical director. So, I mean, officially it was just before Christmas. Um, sorry, sorry, technically just before Christmas, but officially really, we didn't really start till, till the new year. So yeah. yeah, very, very recent, very, very fresh, really. Amazing. So what, what is a technical director as, as it is? Um, so my role is basically it's a lot of roles in one. <laughs> right. The main part is combining or creating first a playing style for everything in the nation. So realizing that it's limited in terms of space, um, accessibility, lots of little islands that are hard to connect, and somewhat most islands don't have facilities anyway. So it's combining like the culture and the, the accessibility of of the com- uh, the country itself to my own ideas and their long-term vision. So I have to create a play and identity. So that includes everything from school curriculums and how we roll it out across schools to youth pathways and open access sessions, but as well as talent excellence pathways, um, right through to league structures and creating and formalising those league structures for predominantly men initially, because that's where it's currently played informally, but ultimately a female game as well. And then from the top down, the national team. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of little strands to one wider goal, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Well, I mean, I had a quick Wikipedia, as I'm sure many people have, (laughs) as I'm sure you have as well. And you say about the National League structure, there are, there's a a domestic league over there. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, it's very informal. So basically, it's played for like a month of a year. Um, and it's also it's almost like a small cup competition in, in, in theory, in essence, I guess. But yeah, there is an informal structure to it, and it's on the island of Kwajalein, which is basically a US military base. It's a very large military base, which takes up the island. And through August, pretty much through to September, they play games, and we're trying to now formalise that, as well as on Maduro, which is the main capital island where the national stadium is going to be built or is being built. Um, and so we'll have, in theory, it'll work with two regional leagues and then ultimately like a, a playoff at the end of the season for the national champion. But yeah, so it's informal games. It's just now a case of, you know, people play it. We've just got to formalise the whole approach, really. Yeah. So do you sort of, do they, I'm sort of maybe going back a few years here where they'd say, well, they'd send you some tapes or something, but I'm guessing like you could see what the standard is like or something. 
I guess you could maybe view it online now, could you? There's very limited uh, like media available for it. And there's also, it's not a footballing culture. So it's not really something that people are going to go out and watch and film, unfortunately. There's, there's small little clips about it on YouTube, mm. um, but not a lot. So you're looking at really growing it from, yeah, from the ground up. Yeah. So it's a very US-based culture. A lot of baseball, a lot of basketball, a lot of individual right. sports, but not really anything for football. So um it's yeah it really is a case of because they've grown it in the states it's now naturally grown in the marshall islands kids want to play it people want to be involved in it but not really sure how i suppose that's probably mm. the way to look at it so it's now going in and working with the people that do have a bit of an idea of, of the how and helping them to develop it further yeah there must be i don't know who the last nation prior to yourselves would have been to gain uh, a, a national football team or, or to be part of a like UEFA or oh this, yeah the, the confederations the confederations yeah. uh, do you know who the last one was and sort of I how long it would have I actually don't know the name of the, the last one it was but it was recent but I mean the only sort of comparison to other countries that are in the same region as us you've got like Tuvalu, Kiribati islands that are OFC, so Oceania Football Confederation mm. affiliate members, yeah. but not full members, and they're not FIFA members. But it's something that they are trying to gain recognition of. But the, there's a bit of a, you know, it's 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 very, and it's a lot of protocol to follow. Right, that's an easy way to put it. Yeah, um, and because they don't have like hotels, for example, on a training base for visiting teams, it's then so the FIFA are then saying they can't be members. But ultimately, if they had FIFA funding, they could help to do that. So it would grow the country as well as the game. But the thing for like the Marsh Lines, for example, you know, they have hotels, they have accommodation at resorts. So that infrastructure for the country there is they've just, you know, for us, it's just now a case of building the football aspect. Okay. Which hopefully puts us in a position with FIFA. But first of all, it'll be OFC. But yeah, in terms of the first country, uh, sorry, most recent nation, I couldn't tell you the exact, exact nation uh, that's most recent, but. Yeah, in terms of like confederations, Tuvalu and Kiribati are fairly recent to the OFC. I was, I was only kind of asking that in sort of respect of how long you anticipate this to to take. Yeah. It's, Do you know, I mean, got a time scale? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I, I, I would love to see it as a long-term project and be a, be a part of it when we hit those milestones. Yeah. So if you can get OFC recognition membership, brilliant. If you can get FIFA membership, but realistically it's probably going to take a long time you know mm. it's talk i've spoken to some people and who have done similar projects who some haven't been successful uh in their attempts and they're still going and you're talking 10 years so wow. it's difficult in that sense and as much as i would like to see it long term i'd also have my own aims that i would like um within 10 years yeah so um but yeah i would love to be a part of it um, and hopefully go i hopefully i'm in a position to get something from it yeah, if that's like OFC, for example, membership, then that would be fantastic in itself. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, because as a, a country, they they do have like, a sporting history. I see that they've they've been part of the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we we hosted a, a few of the the athletes of the the London twenty twelve. Yeah. Um, so this this sporting yeah. pedigree there, as it were. Oh, definitely. I mean, they've represented internationally at baseball. Okay. Uh, weightlifting, all these, you know, swimming and stuff like this. So there, are, there is uh, a national interest in sport. It's just that football hasn't really been one until very recently. Mm. 
And I think partly it comes down to that culture. It's something that they don't really have an access to where do, but it's not really something that's viewed because there is no history with it, I guess. Yeah. There's also no local role model, so it's hard to look up to someone, I guess, in terms of football. So we're trying to change that. You know, We want to make sure we've got people that want to play. So, uh, for okay. example, this morning I was contacted by an 18-year-old guy that plays in that Kwajalein League, and he's helping to run sessions for children. Right, which is fantastic. But same again, people are playing it informally, but there's no real structure to it. So it's now, yeah, the big thing for us is just creating opportunities, really, and hopefully long term that will then that will inspire on to those worldwide opportunities for people. If that's a case of being part of like World Cup qualifiers, for example, and having the martial arts representing that, then fantastic. Yeah, too right. I mean, you say that you you've officially sort of taken on this role as as technical director of beginning of. Um, this year and we're talking the the back end of of january i'm assuming you you haven't been out there yet what's the uh, the plan there uh yeah so it's very recent i haven't been out yet um the plan for me it, it really does come down to financial in terms of how we work when we can make it work mm. but also there's no point going out just yet anyway because there's a lot to sort out to make it worthwhile to go okay so it's penciled in that i'll go in the summer it's likely july if there's an opportunity to go out sooner, like May, I, I will, but it looks like July. But there's a growing need for me to go out too because we've got people that want to be coaches, that people are delivering those informal sessions. So it's a case of going out and doing coach education, workshops for those guys, but also things like networking and just seeing where everything's going to be based and putting those like sports trucks, for example, being part of the PE the t- the team delivery and right. yeah, being hands-on with the things that we're creating now and actually putting it into practice, that'll be fantastic when we get a chance to do it. But yeah, it's looking like July for, for myself. Yeah. I mean, as, as a traveller myself, like seeing these places, by chance, I I watched some sort of YouTube documentary not, not so long ago about a guy who took a, um, uh, he was flying from uh, somewhere in the States going to Malaysia, I think. And okay. he ended up, almost island hopping across and and a couple of the islands it appears were the the marshall islands and it probably makes sense yeah and logistically it's very difficult to get it's like 30 hours to get there from uk um you're talking about two and a half thousand dollars to get there right and so yeah it's it's expensive but i think following ones where you've got to really carefully select your route as well so Mm. the way in is via hawaii so it's connecting to the states, connecting to the like, mainland states in Hawaii, then the Marshall Islands. The other option is you go to Brisbane and Australia, and then, like you said, it's island hopping. So it's like an island hopping flight almost. Yeah. That goes, I think it's the fourth stop to the Marshall Islands. <laughs> it's just crazy in terms of the logistics of it, but it'll be all part of the fun. Absolutely. It's almost like when you get on the bus and you have to ding the bell, I'm getting off now. <laughs> yeah, just a flying version. That's right. <laughs> The, there's a website which is um, marshallislandssf.com, and I see that there is um, like this part of a GoFund page on there as well. Is yeah. is that? I mean, I assume it, in ultimate it will benefit yourself as well, but going to benefit the the country um, and the and the team as well. Is that right? Yeah, the whole purpose of it is because obviously we're not part of OFC or FIFA. They, we don't access any funding. Yeah. It all comes down. It's really you know, we are relying on fundraising sponsorship in terms of like the GoFundMe page it's all created to set out equipment kit 
getting things out there and just getting the basics because it is a case of you need balls, bibs, and cones to play yeah. football. So if you wanted to set up a, a program, you need all those basics that we take for granted. So um, it's a case of getting a donation fund for that, really, because, yeah, without any membership funding, it is all down to that fundraising and sponsorship. So um, fortunately, I'm joined by, uh, I am joined on there by a guy called um, Justin Wally, who is the director of press and communications, and then Matt Webb, Matt Webb mm. who is um, director of marketing and fundraising sponsorship. So between us, we're, we're trying to target those different channels. And within three weeks, we, we've hit, well, it's two weeks actually because it was started a week after we launched. So yes, within two weeks, the GoFundMe page is up to a thousand dollars, which is about eight hundred and ten pound. Mm. Um, so it's fantastic, really, in terms of like we haven't got a fixed date that we have to get an X amount by X date. Oh. So for us, it's been fantastic that people have wanted to donate and just offer that. And we've had people that have wanted to donate equipment that they've got. So like youth clubs around the UK, for example, have got in touch and how can we help? Do you want bibs, balls, cones, pop up right. gold? Stuff like this is fantastic. So all those little bits are a massive benefit to us. You're going to be taking a hell of a lot of baggage then, aren't you, when you go? But the funny thing is, it's cheaper for me to do that with extra baggage allowance than it is to ship it out there. So. Oh, right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, win-win, I suppose. Yeah. Just going back to like the aiming to be part of the Confederation, yeah. is that something that you'll be part of, or is that down to like their... Uh, I don't know, like the, the their FA that is um, aiming to yeah. be. I mean, a bit of both, to be honest. So in terms of like the protocol for it, and it will hold a lot more weight. And we know from just speaking informally to people at OFC, it will hold a lot more weight if it comes from the board of the president, for example. So, yeah, it will, the direct messages will come from those guys, and they'll sort that out. Some of the people on the board are lawyers, for example. So they're all a massive bonus. Oh, yeah. Um, they'll help a lot. We've actually been contacted by a guy who works with a FIFA nation. I won't name it just yet in yeah. case he doesn't come aboard, but who wants to help us with our applications, for example. So that's massive bonus. But then I'll be involved in terms of, you know, because of the technical aspects, the technical elements, the content I've created for it, we can then approach him and say, well, this is what we've got. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. But can you help us develop it further? Mm. Because I think if we go to them and say, we haven't got anything, we just want to play. They're just going to laugh us out the door. So you need something in place to then back it up a little bit and show development in your own sense. Um, but the thing is, we were talking about this recently. So because obviously OSC is the main route for us, 100% it is. Uh, logistically, geographically, it makes a lot of sense. But there's a lot of justifiable reasons for us to approach CONCACAF if it doesn't work out with OFC. Because, okay. because of the need to fly to the States first to get into the Marshall Islands. Yeah. That logistically, if you're like a Caribbean island, that will be a route anyway. So countries won't, may have to do that similar journey to get to us if that was the case. But also because of the connections with the US in terms of like governments and politics between the Marshall Islands and the US, there, there's a lot of connection there still. So that goes in our fight favour in terms of being justifiable to approach those guys as well. So yeah, never say never, but OFC is the main route. Yeah, you've got that backup plan just in case. Yeah, just in case. Absolutely. I mean, you've got, got to ask you, have you learnt the national anthem? I haven't, but it's the only, and it sounds really vague, but I, I can't find, for the life of me, I cannot find anything other than just like an instrumental version. Oh, right. So I've now actually got to the point in the last couple of days I've asked that, is that the formal version? So I'm waiting to hear back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish you luck on that one. <laughs> oh, top stuff. And I mean, what as well I've heard about and seeing this this whole 
whole project in the media obviously where they are located there is the the weather and the the climate issue i mean whilst it looks a, a beautiful place to to see and visit it is very susceptible to to climate isn't it yeah yeah unfortunately the climate change is a real thing for the marshall islands by 2050 it's likely well, it is you know it is going to be that the marshall islands won't look the way that it does now a lot of the islands will be submerged because of climate change um rising sea levels so that's a massive obviously um huge impact on the nation itself yeah so part of this is really to raise awareness for the nation because you can create an awareness to the world about all those aspects as well and people might want help in, in some way so the good thing about it people like fiji for example are offering like land support and you know, relocation packages and stuff like that is great. But at the same time, the sad aspect is, yeah, the Marshall Island citizens on the islands that, that will be uh, flooded and submerged, unfortunately lose their homes. It won't look the same. Mm. So it's not quite the same in that sense. But, you know, if we can raise an awareness of people to have the help in some way, that's that's a good step in the right direction, at least. But things like the, the National Stadium on the main island of Maduro, it won't be as affected. Uh, it will still be affected, but not in the same way, I guess, fortunately. So, yeah, it's a real shame that that is an, an actual thing that is, is, a, is a negative aspect of the whole thing, really. But hopefully all this does create an awareness to the country as well as just the sport. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing with football, isn't it? Sometimes it it can just raise awareness for, for a whole variety of things. Oh, um, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I've really... Thanks for your time. Just sort of introducing us to the to the Marshall Islands. Should anyone want to to get in touch, are you open to that? Of course, yeah. I, I welcome anything like that. It's been massive for us in terms of like people getting in touch in any context. It's, yeah, I'm hundred percent open to that. So, I mean, you, you're on Twitter. Is, is that the best place to to go for you? Yeah, Twitter's probably the best place to contact me, just because. Um, I'm always on it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just an easy one. I always see a message come through. So personally, mine is just literally at Lloyd Owers, my name. Um, but then in terms of the the Marshall Islands, is at Soccer Fed MI. And if so, Justin and Matt look after all the social medias channels. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, which is at RMI Soccer, so Republic of Marshall Islands. Uh, RMI Soccer, and then Facebook is just Marshall, uh, Marshall Islands Soccer Federation. Excellent. Once again, thank you very much for for joining us. I wish you all the best to uh, thank you to yourself. We'll keep you yeah, yeah, by all means, um, keep, stay in touch and and come by and and let us know how you're getting on. Maybe come May or the summer when you're uh, you've been out there and you can you've seen it with your own eyes. Definitely, definitely, we'll check in via the Marshall Islands at the same oh, time. That'll be a first. <laughs> Looking forward to that one, Lloyd. Thank you very much for that. Cheers for your time. Thank you. many thanks go to Lloyd there for his time really fascinated by the whole project and it'd be great to hear from him later down the line so yeah watch this space as he mentioned there is a GoFundMe page obviously it's entirely up to you where you put your money uh, and I appreciate that there are many grassroots clubs here in England that would happily accept contributions but to feel that you've helped just a little 
for the last remaining nation to try and get a national team isn't something that comes around often, is it? And we were speaking about the the National League over there in the Marshall Islands. I've just been on Wikipedia. There are some interesting team names in that league. Purple People Eaters being my particular favourite. Uh, but I can imagine a derby between Cavalry 1 and Cavalry 2. And Slow Motion is an interesting name for a team. But the current champions, this is all according to Wikipedia, are FC Swell. There you go. There's some team names from the Marshall Islands that you never knew until now. Uh, I know it wasn't all entirely England related, but I do hope you enjoyed it. Now, something else I'd just like to mention before we go. I'd just like to take you back to the summer of 2021. Were you in or around Wembley for the Euro 2020 men's final? Uh, I recently spoke to Freddie at Rogan Productions, who is working on a documentary film. And he'd like to hear from anyone who has lasting memories of the highs and lows of the day. If you do, please email footballdoc2020 at roganproductions.co.uk that's footballdoc2020 at roganproductions.co.uk I'm not at liberty to give any more information about the project out but as I say I've spoken with him sounds really interesting I've given my memories to Freddie so if you want any more info please do drop him a note especially if you feel you could contribute And we'll just watch this space, see what happens. There we go. That'll do for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, as always. Coming next is the Arnold Clark Cup preview episode. The Lionesses will be looking to defend the trophy that they won a year ago, this time facing South Korea, Italy and Belgium. Once again, I hope to be chatting with Rich Laverty about Serena Weigman's latest squad, which she announced on Tuesday just gone. Remember, she is yet to lose a game in charge of the Lionesses. I hope you can join me for it. Until then, take care of yourselves. Cheers. <laughs>